I was looking at being a godly teenager, learning how to do that. You know, we're not, we're not perfect. I told you before, unfortunately, a lot of times people expect teenagers to be perfect. I told you in chapel today, I expect you as teenagers to be teenagers. I expect you to do dumb things. I expect you to uh, talk when you're not supposed to, to make noise when you're not supposed to, to, to honestly, not necessarily wanting you to do those things, but that's you're a teenager. If you're going to do foolish things, now is the time to do them because in most cases, the foolishness that you experience now will not affect the rest of your life. It's a learning point. It's a learning curve. Um, we all have have different learning curves. You, you have learning curves with people, how to deal with certain types of people. You have learning curves on how to deal with different types of situations. And that's just part of life. But ironically enough, people we don't like do the exact same thing and it irritates us all the more because the relationship we with our friend, we're willing to put up with it because of that relationship. So that favor grows as my relationship with them grows. As I got to, as my wife and I first started dating, um, we had, uh, I'm awkward. The first conversations are awkward. What? Third time. Okay. The first time we really didn't have any trouble talking. Okay. Not, no, not which wife, which first date. Okay. <laughs> okay. Just to be clear, I've only had one wife. Okay. Just to be clear. Now I've had multiple first dates with that wife, but no. <laughs> multiple first dates with her. <laughs> I only have one wife. I'm sorry. I didn't say. I guess I did say had, didn't I? Sorry. I only have one wife, and I love her to death. Yeah. Shh. All right. Back on task. Shh. But favor in a relationship. Listen. Favor in a relationship grows as the relationship grows. Okay. You think of it this way. It's kind of a poor example. But growing up, when, or when I was in elementary school, um, there was a girl in my class named Stacy Wilburn, and uh, she was she was she was in our class. Or we were in K four, K five, first and second grade. And then she left after second grade. Stacy Wilburn was a teacher's pet. Um, you may have them. I'm not using any examples here because then it puts targets on people's back and all that. But, but we all know as soon as I say the term teacher's pet, somebody in your mind in your class may have popped thought, "Yep, that's so and so." Teacher's pet, I'm not addressing that, but listen, sometimes a person has more favor because they cultivate that relationship. They're the one that stays after school and helps the teacher. I'm not saying it's right, but what I'm saying a lot of time that favor is there because they spend time with that teacher and they cultivate the relationship. They work on that relationship, sometimes with the ulterior motive of, you know what, I want to be favored by that teacher. Sometimes they just get along with that person. As you guys get older, cultivate relationships with adults. Not in a, if I can say it this way, not in a friend way. Nothing irritates me more than hearing a teenager call an adult by their first name. Okay? Now, what irritates me even more than that is when they do it in front of their parent and their parent just kind of goes along with it. Okay? There should be a level of respect. But learn to cultivate a relationship with adults now. For one, they know more than you. They've seen more than you. They've gone down a different road maybe and they may try to help you with different things but you should always have a mentor dr house used to make the statement he say all he said all men are my teachers okay now he's referring to all the different things he would read and the different influences in life but learn from adults we're in a society where people try to separate the two no we're millennials we have our own way of doing things everybody else i'm sorry your generation what wire xers wires Generation Zers, okay? Generation Zers, okay? 
But a lot of times, now listen, society developed, they developed those things to separate the generations. Okay? If you look in the past generation, you think grandpas and even dads and things, they would work with sons and grandsons. They'd just take them into the, maybe the shop or they'd help, let, let them help mow the grass and things. They would take those times to influence and work with them. Put yourself in a place where you can be influenced by somebody like that. Find somebody who thinks, you know what, I would like to be that or I'd like to be where they are down the road and plug yourself into them. Stick to them. Not to the point of being annoying, but to the point where you can develop a relationship so then as you guys go off to college or uh, you're after college even, and you're a young adult and you've got your own family and you may need some advice on something and uh, maybe, or if it's not your father, call this person and you know what, I'm going through such and such. Do you have any advice? But if you don't establish that relationship now, you, it, it's much more difficult as an adult to cultivate the relationship with an adult in that standpoint. Right now, adults look at you guys and they want to help you. They want to train you. But you've got to be willing to train and to be taught those types of things. Um, favor, I told you I give the definition. Favor is the approval, support, or liking for something or someone, an act of kindness beyond what is due or normal. It's favor. What is, we all desire favor. We all desire favor from uh, other people. We desire favor from friends. None, none of us want to be the one that is put in an unfavored position. Uh, Esther, when uh, um, she went before uh, King Ahasuerus, Okay, he, she had to, at that point, uh, if he did not lower his scepter toward her, showing favor, showing, you know what, I know you're interrupting whatever I'm doing, but because I'm lowering this to you, I'm showing favor towards you, now you can come in. Otherwise, they would have taken her out and beheaded her on the spot. Whether she was the king's wife or not was irrelevant. We desire that favor. We desire it with people. Do you desire favor with God? Because your favor is going to grow as your relationship with him grows. You don't get favor. You see, here's what we see somebody else's relationship with another adult or with another person. You think, you know what? That's the kind of relationship I want to have. And we try to insert ourselves into that relationship, not realizing that that person's probably been working in that relationship for a while, working in that relationship for a long time. The guy, uh, my, um, uh, after my eighth grade year, I started painting. There was a guy in the church. He was, I, I was on his bus on Saturdays. We were, I, it's kind of weird how it worked out. We were just, uh, it was probably about March or April, and we were, just, we were in the van out on Saturday, and we were just talk, he was talking about painting and all that. And basically, he just, hey, hey, you want to work for me? Okay. I didn't know what, that, what all that entailed. I knew he was a painter, but I, I mean, he, I doubt he's going to give a brand new ninth grader a paintbrush and a bucket of paint and a three or $400,000 house. It's not going to happen. And so I spent the first entire summer, I never touched paint and a paintbrush at the same time, ever. I would go to the van and I would get paintbrushes and bring them back to him. I'd get paint buckets. I'd do all that kind of stuff. But he took the time to teach me. He sent me, um, the, he, he painted, like I said, three or $400,000 houses. His dad had painted for years, but he was older and he painted Section 8 houses, rough houses, like houses where you had to lock up your equipment at lunch break, otherwise you'd come back from lunch and it'd all be stolen, that type of place. And um, his dad was very old school. We'd paint houses that were three stories high with a four inch brush. Not a roller, a four inch brush, okay? Most brushes you see are two and a half inches. A four inch brush is about that wide and when it's full of paint, probably weighs about eight pounds. I'm in ninth grade, okay? And painting, in the middle of the summer, 
Now, he sent me to work for him so I could learn how to paint, and if I messed up the Section 8 house, ain't nobody going to care. I'm just being honest with you. And so he taught me, he taught, he, I learned speed there. I learned how to paint fast there. And then when I got, when I finished that summer with his dad, then I went to work for, uh, for my boss again. And he taught me the finer things of doing what it needs to be done. But it took me saying, you know, no, no, I, I want to do it my way. No, no, no. I had to say, you know what? Okay. This is how I do it. Okay. And I did it exactly his way. If, uh, um, if he and I were to come paint together, we would paint exactly the same way exactly the same way i do things and if you were to watch me paint you think why do you do it that way that's the way my boss did it that's the way i was taught now there's a reason for it but i am exemplifying the one who mentored me and taught me that but it takes you as a teenager saying you know what i want to become something I don't want to be somebody who just floats through life. You know, we, last night at the uh, junior senior banquet, we had one of the slides was uh, most likely to live in the parents' basement. And, uh, it was, you know, we laughed about it, things like that. But, but some of you, I think some of you, though you wouldn't say it, that's your life goal. Mommy and daddy will take care of me. I can just stay in the basement all my life, get my own entrance there, get my own key, and I'm set. What kind of a existence is that? If you want something, find someone who's accomplished it and stick to them. And that's here to find favor with God or Jesus finding favor with God. That relationship was constantly being developed. I mean, to the day, the day before he died or even when he was on the cross, he was still cultivating that relationship, still talking to God. And in those points, Jesus grew in standing with the father because of that. OK, he wasn't I mentioned this before. He wasn't loved any any more than he was before. OK. You have favor with your own parents, okay? If one of you went to a parent and said, mom or dad, can I do such and such? You're much more likely to get permission to do that than someone who's not their own child. You're not going to walk. I use this example when I go uh, soul winning. You're never going to find me spanking the neighbor's children because they're not mine. Now, are there times they need it? Absolutely. I was laughing, uh, somebody, I think it was uh, Brother Jason, he uh, dropped me off at my house the other day, and uh, I told him, I have, we have um, a girl, a next-door neighbor is a girl in Aiden's class, ironically, and I told him, I said, you kind of lose the whole privacy thing, you know, you're in your backyard, I said, Brother Morrissey, <laughs> think, okay, go, go hang out in the house now, because, I mean, it's going to be that way for a while, because they're only in fourth grade, um, but obviously, I'm not going to go, listen, I'm not going to spank the neighbor's child, because they're not mine telling myself here and uh maybe the married guys in here can agree with me um you'll have more you'll have more disagreements you'll have more disagreements and more arguments listen in your first year of marriage than probably the rest of your relationship because you're learning you're learning to live with not only another person but someone who is complete or thinks completely opposite of you. Why then do, are there less arguments? Because you work on that relationship. You don't just cut it off. And say, you know what? I, I said, you know what? No, you work at it. You have. You may have friends in here that initially you were enemies. You didn't like each other, but you worked at the relationship. You felt it was worth it. Let me ask you this: If your earthly relationships are worth that to you. Is your walk with God, your relationship with God worth that to you? Because it's going to take work. It's not easy. 
There are times other things you feel are more important, and there are times that you'd rather do this or do that, but it takes work to sit down and walk with God every day. That's how you gain favor. And the Bible says that Jesus grew in favor with God. Favor grows as the relationship grows. Okay, as we gain wisdom, our first point, and we continue to mature, our second point, our relationship with God should then strengthen and deepen. Remember, maturity, we, one of the keys to the maturity, we said, Paul told us that um, uh, when I was a child, I spake as a child, I thought as a child, I understood as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. My spiritual understanding helps me to understand why God desires of me what he desires of me, and at that point, gives me a reason to do it. Not just, I told you so, but because, you know what, this is what God loves me, and God desires my best at heart, and God says I shouldn't do this because of his love. I'm not going to do that. He knows what's best, and that's a trust thing. And here... We were hoping to gain wisdom as Christians. If I'm growing as a teenager, I'm gaining wisdom. I'm continuing to mature. Is your relationship with God strengthening? Is it deepening? It's a tough thing because one of the main ways your relationship with God deepens and strengthens is by going through trials, going through difficulties, things you don't understand, hard times. That's one of the main ways. Why? Because in some cases, that's all you have to run to. You have nowhere else to go. Um, friends may turn on you. It, it, it happens. I'll, I don't know if I've ever told you guys the story. I'm not going to tell you the whole story. When we were in Michigan, um, we had uh, basically every hat in the church that could be worn outside of the pastor my wife and I were wearing, um, for lack of a better way to put it. Um, you know, we, I was the school principal, I was the youth pastor, I was the music director, I was a Sunday school superintendent, uh, my wife oversaw the nursery. I mean, it was a whole, everything, all that was going on. And we were heavily invested. Our, our youth group was probably, at its peak, was probably about 50. Um, and uh, we uh, were heavily invested there. Well, some things went on that um, I didn't necessarily think were right. And I didn't address it publicly. I went to the pastor privately in the office and said, you know, this I don't think is biblical, for lack of a better way to put it. That was in, that was in January. Some different other things, different things happened. Nothing, I, I always made sure, and my wife can attest to this, I always made sure that when, if I had to bring something up or had to address something, I always did it in a humble spirit. I mean, to the point where I'd spend a long time praying and fasting before I even went to talk to him for fear that my pride would overwhelm it and that anything that was done would be justified in the pastor's eyes. Some things went on and with... Um, one or one of the teenagers, and whether it was an under, uh, misunderstanding, whatever, um, the pastor called me in. In um, let's see, it was the Monday before Thanksgiving. Monday before Thanksgiving, he, he said basically, he, or when I walked in, he said um, uh, the um, uh, chairman of the deacon board was there, and I walked into the office, sat down, and basically he pulled out a piece of paper and basically said. Um, uh, this, 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 and named about four things that had happened in the six years we had been there. And he said, because of this, um, we're going to let you go. He wasn't expecting it at all. No, to me, as far as I knew, I was in good standing. They said, and on top of that, we want you to get everything out of your office and your classroom and to have no contact with anybody. Can I understand? I had just worked with teenagers on Sunday. 
teenagers I invest, had invested in for six years. And now I was told you can't say a word to them. Couldn't explain to them. Couldn't say goodbye to them. Nothing. So we got all our stuff out. Probably finished like 1.30 in the morning. Pulling stuff out, putting it in the van, driving it. Well, now, thankfully, we only lived about a mile from the church. I can't imagine driving that, uh, uh, driving longer. But we uh, got there having to explain to my kids, you know what? You know, you're not going to school tomorrow because of this and this. And I did the best, we did the best we could in no way to say anything bad about the pastor, though even to this day, we feel wronged. Sadly enough, the couple that was there with us is now going through the same exact thing that we went through. But at that, when that happened, that happened in the, the Monday before Thanksgiving. So we went to, I think we went to my in-laws for Thanksgiving, just enjoyed some time there, some uh, relaxation. We started going to, church, to a church that was about an hour away from us because I was told I wasn't allowed to go back to the church, wasn't allowed to have contact with any of those people. The amazing thing through it is a good number of church families from that church would come to our house and visit with us. It was, it, was, it was an amazing thing. But it was through times like that that, it, honestly, it gave me more time to spend with God because though I have a wife and we converse, I can't depend on her for my strength because she depends on me for my strength. And so I had to go to God. And it's through things like that that the relationship with God began to deepen. I would never choose to go through that kind of a thing again. But I'm glad I did because of what it taught me. It showed me different things. I've told you before, you never get to know all the different names the Bible has for God. You never get to know God in those, in those different ways until you suffer some need in that particular way. You'll never know God as provider until you have a need. You see, we want this and we want that, but we're not ready to suffer, as Paul says, to suffer that affliction in order to know God in a deeper way. And that's as we gain wisdom, we continue to mature. Our relationship with God is going to strengthen and deepen. That's going to take some trials. That's going to take some difficulties. Allow yourself to be taken through those trials. David says, as, uh, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I've told you before, I think a lot of times people use that as, you know, I'm crossing the, I'm crossing the river, I'm, I'm, I'm passing away. I don't know necessarily it means that because to me, a shadow is not the real thing. If you see a shadow... There's something casting it, but the shadow is merely a reflection, if you will, of what that person is. And I think the valley of the shadow, that's because there's going to be times you think, you know what? It may be better that I do die. And David says, you know what? Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. We have nothing to fear. Why? Because our relationship with God is what it needs to be. I don't know what trial some of you are going through right now. I don't know what trial some of you are going to go through in the next week, the next month, the next year. But understand, the only way you're going to survive that trial, the only way you're going to become or you're going to advance and grow in that relationship is if you work at it. If you allow God, okay, God, I don't know what it's going to take. I don't know what, what it's going to have to happen for you to, uh, for our relationship to get better, our relationship to deepen, but I'm willing to allow it to happen. And here's the thing. God's not going to hit you with the entire kitchen sink, if you will, okay? He'll, 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 he'll uh, load you down more than you can handle, so you have to depend on him. But he's not going to crush you. He's not going to kill you. He's going to give you what he knows between or your, your faith, your dependence and trust in him can handle. And that's what grows you. That's what grows your muscle physically and spiritually. As a, a weightlifter, a bodybuilder works out, he lifts and lifts and it tears those muscles up. 
He allows his body to recuperate and things. And what happens is as those muscles build back together, the muscles are bigger. And so then he tears them back down again. And that's what sometimes what God has to do with us. God says, okay, you know what? You know what? This situation is coming up. It's going to be difficult. This is going to be tough. And he may break us down. Our dependence and strength on him grows us. Then he has to do it again and grows us till finally he's getting us to the point where it's not as deep a breaking down process because we've learned to trust him. We've learned, as Paul says, in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. It's a learned process. Nobody comes into life being that way. It's learned. It's tough because nobody wants that pain. Nobody wants the difficulty. But that's how our relationship with God deepens is through those difficulties and through those trials. Real quick, probably last one here. Okay, Now, back to kind of a reiteration of what I said. Now I obey because of my love for him. No longer is it, oh, I have this whole list of do's and don'ts, and the Bible says I can't. The Bible says I can't, 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 can't. Now I understand, you know what? He loves me. And because of that, I choose. You know, I don't, my wife doesn't have rules for me, and I don't have rules for her. There are things that I know she does not like, and there are things that she knows I don't like. We choose not to do those, not because I tell her, you know what, if you do this, this is going to happen. No, because of the love for us, the relationship that's there, it helps us to want to um, please the other, for lack of a better way to put it. It's not an obedience thing. You're never going to catch me telling my wife what to do. Okay, now you may catch her telling me. No, I'm kidding. Uh, but you'll never catch me. Why? Because of the love, because of the relationship. You know why some of you struggle with rules? Why some of you struggle with doing what God wants? Because your relationship is minimal. It's weak. And God says, you know what? I loved you enough to send my son to die for you. I sacrificed myself. This is all I'm asking for you to do. He doesn't have to ask anything extreme. I said that this morning in chapel. He doesn't ask anything extreme. He simply asks for us to say, I yield it. Obedience. His love causes me to say, you know what? I'll obey. I'll obey. It's kind of the progression from being a kid, or, uh, from being a kid kind of like we talked a little bit with Paul, the, the going from being a child to being a man. You know, some, or, um, even my own kids, so-and-so do this. Why? Because I told you to. Now, they know if they say why, it's a pop. Okay? That's just whether that's right or not. You do it with your own kids. That's what I do with my own kids. Okay? Um, but they understand why. Because I want them to learn to obey. Now, as they get older, teaching them the why. Here's why we do this. Here's why I've wanted to teach you to obey the first time without questioning. Because if you learn as a child, third and fourth grade, to question everything that an authority says, you're going to question everything God says down the road. I want you to understand when God comes calling and God comes knocking, to say, okay, God, whatever you want. I want that obedience to be built into them. And that's why we do it that way. I obey now because of my love for him. He doesn't have to tell me, force me to do this. Now, that doesn't mean we're perfect. What it means is when I don't obey and he has to come calling and come chastening after me, it breaks my heart because it's hurt that relationship. I've told you before with, uh, with Aiden, okay? Aiden is the type, I can sit Aiden down. Aiden, when you did something and such, that really hurt dad, uh, that really disappointed me. He'll break down. Why? 
because that relationship is there. Now, I'm not saying if that relationship isn't well, in regards to uh, father-son, because I've told you before, Mason's just thankful he's not getting a spanking. Uh, but in, re- in regards to just using the example of, uh, of Aiden, that the love, that relationship there, he understands, you know what? What I did broke that relationship. Now, it's never unrepairable, just like it's never unrepairable with God. But it's understanding, you know what? That tie got severed for some reason. Let's fix it. And that's honestly where a spanking, where chastening comes in. God says, okay, we have to deal with this. It has to be taken care of. I love you. That's why this is happening. Okay? Discipline happens. Okay, now let's move on. You're not going to find God, hey, remember when you remember when you did that and I had to discipline? God's never going to bring it back up. Once it's taken care of, it's gone. It's washed away. But he's waiting for us to come and cultivate that. You want favor with God? Cultivate the relationship. Work at it. Just like you would, or even more, I guess, if you will, more than you'd work at a human relationship, work at that relationship with God. The more you work at it, the better it gets, the sweeter it gets. But it takes work. It takes effort.